This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me... In studio this morning, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you this morning? I'm good, Wally. How are you? I'm, I, I'm, I understand you might be suffering from a lower body injury. Lower but, body uh, <laughs> injury. It was at the game last night. Yeah, we're where all... Is that, where is that Neil Durning who created the show, anyway? Where is that he, guy? He's around somewhere. We'll get, we'll get a hold of him. But uh, just want to let our listeners know what's coming up. Uh, First of all, you got anything to do today? Apparently, there's a big snowstorm coming in uh, at around noon today, or what they, you know, we we uh, we joke around uh, us old timers, Naz, what they call big snowstorms today. Oh, we used Man, to get two, were, three feet we, all we, the time. We, they were walks in the park in the old days. People get all excited about you know get a couple inches of snow and everybody's oh my god, what happened? We gotten soft. Anyways, this is a sports show. <laughs> uh, coming up on the show today, Stephen Grigel, uh, Stephen, who's been on the show before, he's going to bring us up to date on the uh, NHL concussion litigation. Of course, concussions were in the news again this week. Our Governor General, the Right Honorable David Johnson, held a concussion summit in Ottawa with Eric Lindros, uh, Matt Dunnigan, and uh, Rosie McLennan, I believe. And uh, we're going to catch up. Stephen is is one of the attorneys for the NHL players in their class action against the NHL. So he's going to bring us up to date on what's happening with that litigation and what's happening in the in the world of concussions. In the middle of the hour, one of the brightest minds in hockey, Naz, uh, uh, Adam Oates. Adam, of yeah. course, uh, grew up in Western Ontario, local boy, uh, grew up in our neighborhood, went to our high school for a while, and is one of the brightest minds in hockey. And... Uh, Working with skills development with a lot of a lot of the great players in the NHL today, so certainly looking to chat with Adam Oates about uh, about hockey and uh, and skills and those types of things. Be interesting to see what he says because uh, he's uh, he's very popular. He's got Mark, Mark Sheffley from the Winnipeg Jets, and he has Stamkos. Stamkos. Sam Gagne, he's turned around. Yep. So certainly uh, he's on uh, he's on the cutting edge of uh, what's happening in hockey today and skills development. So I'm certainly looking forward to talking to him about that. The greatest passer ever. That that is correct. Certainly yeah. was. Uh, but um, I'm a little bit demoralized this morning, Naz. We didn't get the. Uh, you know what? Uh, in Toronto, we were dying for a championship, and uh, TFC. Of course, I'm talking about TFC's loss last night in in. Uh, in penalties, which is not my favorite way of determining a uh, soccer, or, you know, uh, call it football, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it was a game that TFC, I, I think it's fair to say they dominated the game. Uh, when the other team doesn't get a shot on net, the entire game 
And into the extra time also. And, uh, and you know, the critics, those, those people who are critics of soccer, uh, I have a passion for soccer. I always have. Played it quite a bit when I was younger. And, uh, you know, I've always had a passion for soccer, acquired a passion for TFC, of course, during this, this great run this year. Uh, settling a game, and I know the purists are probably going to criticize me for saying this. Uh, so... Uh, but I've never been a fan of settling soccer games with penalty kicks. There's been, you know, last night's probably, uh, I'd put it in the top three of demoralizing soccer events, perhaps in, in, uh, in, in my lifetime, uh, watching, uh, you know, um, can't remember which TFC guy hit it off the crossbar, reminding me of Bajo. Moro. Uh, reminding me of Bajo 94 when he, when he kicked it over the crossbar. Uh, two demoralizing events that I remember on penalty kicks. Italy-Argentina in 1990. Italy had the best team in that tournament. Uh, lost that one to the Argentinians in the semis. And, of course, the World Cup final in 1994. Who can forget that one, Naz? Uh, our, our, the the Azzurri. You know, Baggio Bareze and that crew, um, they necessarily weren't the best team. Brazil probably was the best team that year, but they lost to Brazil in, uh, in overtime, uh, in, in, sorry, in penalties at the Rose Bowl. Um, I remember that one, and I'll remember last night for a long time. We, we had such great hopes uh, for TFC, and I'm not here to criticize them this morning. They, uh, they certainly gave us, gave us some thrills in their run, um, but... Uh, Best team didn't win last night, but that's sports, isn't it, Ness? That's sports, yeah. When it comes to shootouts or penalty kicks, anything can happen, and it did. Uh, big chance in the extra time by uh, Altidore, and Fry made a great save and kind of kind of turned it around for Seattle. Kind of hurt that Fry was the guy who made yeah, the big he's save because he's, uh, he's a former uh, former TFC keeper. Um, uh, just talk a little bit about uh, a couple of things that um, – uh, I don't think necessarily uh, changed uh, changed the game. The one rule change I'd like to see in soccer, and I'm sure I'd, I'd get criticized up and down for this by the purists, like I said before, Naz. Uh, I, I just, I'm not a believer in penalty kicks, um, although they will tell you it's inhumane to let players play out there the way they do in the NHL through, uh, you know, sudden death. If, you know, they could play yeah, out they... some, with some teams, they could play out there for three days. So that's, some matches will never get decided if you go to that. But I've always come up, I've always had a theory uh, that uh, they should do what the NHL does. You know what? You, you know, you can't settle this thing in the first 90 minutes. Go to extra time, start taking players Reduce off. Reduce the field. Reduce the field. You know what? Play with seven players. And you know what? Allow, once you're into extra time, allow unlimited substitutions. You know what? Yeah, bring I some fresh. You, I think bring some fresh yeah. legs out there. You know what? During the during the first ninety minutes or whatever, you want to you want to limit substitutions. That's fine. You want to cut it back down to two. That's fine. You go to extra time. Unlimited sub- substitutions. Get some fresh legs out there. Take some legs off the field. Uh, you know, don't have eleven men out there. Have six or seven men out there and let them decide it. Let them have a run at it. Right. Let them decide it on the field. Thirty minutes. 60 minutes, whatever it takes. I mean, you got to draw the line at some point. I agree, you know. Yeah. But give them an opportunity to settle it on the field because Seattle last night, they weren't playing to win that game. 
Certainly, no, they were on they, the they, back they were track. Played, for sure. They, they were, weren't pressing offensively at all. Yeah, they weren't. You know, offense. they were playing at at a certain point in time. They were just playing for penalties, and that's not unusual in soccer. It's a tactic in soccer. It's it's one of those tactics that, you know, it it, you know, certainly on this side of the pond, uh, uh, in Europe, they sort of they sort of understand that. The culture of the game is a little bit different than it is here. They, Italy's played that style too. Oh, I mean, sure, they've they been accused of playing that style. Yeah, they, they, you know, and you play, for, you play, you get to a certain point where you know, and you know, we talked about the Azzurri. You know, the Azzurri's have they've had some great teams in 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 the past, but they at times they do they play for penalties, and uh, and you can do that in soccer. You can you can put up that defensive wall, and and a team in it in it's probably the one sport. More so, perhaps I'd, I'd have to think about it. It's the one sport, perhaps, where if you're the 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 team that's not as good as the other one can 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 set up that tactic and win the game. You can literally start the game by playing for a tie and survive and win the game. Um, that doesn't generate uh, a great deal of excitement if you're watching the game, um, uh, but certainly. You know the the so-called purists of the sport will tell you, well, the, you know, the, you do whatever it takes to win. I'll tell you one thing: that was a rough and tumble game. It was a very, very physical. I find this league to be the toughest league I've seen. Well, uh, it's MLS. It's North America. Um, the culture, you know, and I know you hate that word, Naz. I know you hate the word That's the culture okay. of the sport. Uh, the culture of the this sport. This morning, you can get away with anything you want. <laughs> The culture of the sport's a little bit different in North America. Uh, it's a little bit more bump and grind. Perhaps the skill level, you know, you're not, you're not constantly out there every game with Messi's and Ronaldo's and, you know, the, the, uh, and, uh, and the Neymar's and, and, you know, the highest echelons of skill in the game. So, you know, rough and tumble tactics sometimes are, you know, more prevalent in the North American game. Yeah, it's too bad one of the penalty kicks Bradley uh, missed because he had an awesome game. He was absolutely all over the field. He was terrific. I'm, I'm a little bit worried he was too good. He might have attracted some interest from maybe some of the well, some of the upper echelon clubs over in Europe. And uh, here's a coincidence. You know who's running Swansea? Michael Joe. Bradley's father yeah. runs Swansea. Yeah, so Michael. You never know. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Michael Bradley was the best player on the pitch last night. I've always said, you know, he was he was a great pickup by TFC. Um, for the, all of those people who criticize MLS, uh, you know, he's he's always been a fixture on the U.S. side internationally. The U.S. side has had some success. They're com- very competitive internationally. Um, uh, I don't know if I want to use the world world class player. He's not at the level of a, obviously of a Cristiano Ronaldo or a, or a Messi or some of the upper echelon Argentinians or Brazilians or Germans or whatever. But uh, he he's certainly a talent, and we're very lucky to have him in Toronto. and And hopefully, uh, we'll see him in Toronto uh, for a long time in the future. I know that he loves the city. The city loves him. Uh, he's the backbone of this team in a way that Jovenko. Uh, and uh, you know, Jovenko is. I wouldn't. Uh, he's. You know, they they they, they complement each other so well. Bradley, his leadership and his midfield uh, tenacity and all that, and 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 Jovenko for his sublime skills uh, in Altidore. Um, 
man, it'd be great to have those three around for a few more years together. Uh, certainly, they make uh, they make magic out there at times. There's one other before we go to break, really, really quickly. Um, uh, one other thing that uh, I don't like to use the word adjective disturbed, but that's uh, that's perhaps strong. But uh, just don't understand, don't understand having an MLS Cup final in a northern latitude city in the MLS on December the 10th. I still don't get it. Uh, I, I listen to all the arguments about how in Europe they play through the winter. Yeah, I, I, they play through yeah, the winter. in Germany they do They too. do, but they don't have their championship games in the winter. Okay? Champions League, you know, they play through the winter, but they don't have their championship games. They don't have their finals in December, January, February. They were lucky it didn't right? snow last night. They sure. were very lucky. They're, they're 12 hours late from a, for probably or, or, or 14 or 16 hours late from a big snowstorm. And uh, I don't know how you change that. There's all kinds of different factors in MLS scheduling, uh, international FIFA and, and everything else that goes with it. I just don't think it makes any sense at all to have a final. Soccer's a – you can say they play in the winter. Soccer's a summer sport. It's, yeah, a, it's it, meant to be played in shorts. It's meant to be played in short sleeves. You can play it in the wintertime, but you shouldn't be playing your, 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 your best on best December 10th uh, in Toronto. I think that the didn't reason, change the I outcome th- of I the th- game. I think the reason why they did that, Wally, though, is that they can attract the home crowd that way. Because if it's a neutral site, they may not attract Neutral the site, crowd. I get it. I just think they got to re- like, they, they schedule it back the other yeah. way. And, you know, this, they got to finish this schedule off. Early November at the latest, not December 10th. Come on. Anyways, uh, we can talk about that uh, forever. We're not happy. We're a little bit demoralized this morning. But the future hopefully looks very bright for TFC. They captured the imagination of a city for a few weeks, and uh, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, so now we have the Raptors and the Leafs are the next two. Let's certainly. see how far they And And uh, we'll certainly chat about Raptors that. Raptors look great, though. <laughs> they, they certainly they do. They really do. Uh, we're going to break. Right back after the break, we'll be talking concussions with Stephen Grego. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when they got up in my grill. Ponzo combo, Ponzo combo. You get two Ponzerotti with two toppings per, plus ten chicken wings, I say for sure. Ponzo combo, Ponzo combo. That's $19.99. A deal for real. A steal. Ponzo Combo. Ponzo Combo. Yo, visit pizzaville.ca or pound 3636 from your cell phone, Wood. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. 
Most prices are competitive. We'll likely save you money, too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM 740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, once again, and if your signal's bouncing off those condo towers and office buildings, you can also tune us in on 96.7 FM. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour noted attorney, Stephen Greigel. Stephen, of course, a graduate of the Harvard Law School in 1986 and is currently involved with the uh, NHL players in the class action against the NHL. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Good morning, Walter. How are you? We're doing great. Uh, getting ready for a snowstorm here in Toronto, first serious one of the year. Recovering from last night's uh, significant loss on, on TFC, but uh, we did get a win uh, from the Toronto Maple Leafs last night, which uh, always goes over well, and we want you to bring us up to date on your favorite team, before we well, get in, be- if you looked at the score last night, you saw that Max Pacioretty scored four goals and a ten to one thumping of the Avalanche. So certainly, so you're a happy man this happy. morning as well. Yeah, I went to bed happy. I, mean, I know that you're. And before we get into the serious matters, which is of course the uh, concussion matter, to give us your as as our number one Montreal Canadiens fan, uh, what's your uh, current status update on the uh, on the Weber uh, Subban trade? I have to say that it's looking good. I always thought that in terms of talent and skill, PK is perhaps, in my estimation, unsurpassed. Weber is steady. He's obviously got a lot of skill. My primary objection to the trade was that Shea Weber is going to have a lot of heavy years on the contract at an age where players' performance tends to go down. But right now I'd have to say the trade looks pretty good because the Canadians are doing beautifully. Anyway, Stephen, uh, of course, the uh, the reason uh, we stay in touch with you from time to time is uh, to get an update on terms of what's going on in your litigation. I'm not sure if you're aware, but there was a, there was a big conference organized by our Governor General this week, David Johnson. Uh, he spent one day uh, bringing some, uh, some leading minds together to talk about concussions and concussion strategies. And, of course, part of that was... Uh, Making presentations were Ken Dryden and Eric Lindros and uh, Matt Dunnigan and Roseanne McLennan. But uh, in the con- in the concussion litigation, or as I prefer to call it, the brain injury litigation, uh, tell us, uh, bring us up to date. What's uh, how many players are involved? Tell us some of the players and uh, tell us where you're at in that litigation. Sure, we've actually had a very significant development this week. On Thursday, the plaintiffs in the case filed their petition in court to have the case certified as a class action. 
which in the American legal world is a very important development if it happens, that essentially is asking the court to treat the case not just on behalf of the named plaintiffs, those folks like Gary Lehman and Bernie Nichols and Dave Christian and Reed Larson and Dan Lockature, those folks whose names are on the complaint, but not only to treat their cases as worthy of adjudication, but to have them stand as representatives of all of the other people who have either signed retainer agreements with lawyers or who, having not signed such agreements, nonetheless are what we call absent class members folks who are affected by the conduct that the litigation is seeking to redress. That, of course, is a number of about 5,000, I think about 5,500 retirees. That's what we call the class. They don't have to sign up formally. They don't have to put their names on complaints, but they would be protected and be entitled to the benefits that the litigation produces if we were to be victorious. The class certification papers are voluminous. They lay out the facts of the case in some excruciating detail. And then they ask the court, somewhat unusually, to certify two kinds of classes. Number one is a class called what we call colloquially a B2 class. That is essentially a class where everyone who is in that class, and that's all retired NHL players, would be entitled to the benefit of medical monitoring. They would get baseline testing as retirees. They would get such follow-up medical interventions as are necessary, and then be periodically reevaluated by medical professionals close to where they live so that their neurocognitive health can be monitored and, as necessary, addressed. We also ask the court to certify what we call an issue class, a C4 class, which is not important. Simply to, it simply demonstrates it's not the typical kind of class action that includes everything just to certify a class on the issues of the NHL's duty to the players, the duty of care to make sure that they were warned and were appropriately protected against foreseeable risk, that that duty was breached and that the NHL failed to warn, failed to warn timely and failed to take appropriate protective measures. And third, the issue of general causation, that the failure to warn is a substantial factor in causing the neurocognitive complaints that the uh, litigation is about individual issues of who is damaged and by how much under that class would be left for separate individualized adjudications. Stephen? So uh, somewhat tricky, tricky case. Uh, let me, um, um, I've been on the websites, nhlconcussionlitigation.com, mm-hmm. and you have, you know, you talked about you're representing a class so that players don't have to sign up for it, but there are right. a lot of play, players who have signed up for it. There are. Is there, and now, of course, there's some players who've signed up, and there's some players who haven't signed up. Is there? Is there? Are you aware of any intimidation going on? That are players being intimidated, or or not so much even being intimidated, but trying to be convinced not to sign up? Is that a concern of yours? It's always been a concern. It's a concern in any case like this where you have institutional loyalties between the members of the class and the organization with which they were so strongly affiliated in many cases for a number of years. It's an issue we've discussed with the court. The National Hockey League has been on the record as saying they have done everything that any reasonable entity would do to ensure that no such retaliation takes place. It's one thing, of course, for a league to say that and even to mean it, And quite another thing for a fellow who is in what we call the absent class members, those who haven't signed up but who support the case, take one of those folks and he's got a brother or a a nephew or a friend's son who is playing in the 
Canadian Hockey League, either the Western or the Ontario or the Q, trying to make his way to the pros. He might think, gee whiz, if I stick my neck out there and essentially posit myself as adverse to the NHL, at least in some respects, might that have repercussions for my friend who's trying to get his kid into the league or for my nephew who's trying, who's on the cusp and trying to make it? All other things being equal, might that even subconsciously be a black mark against my friend or the person I'd like to see have a good career? There's an awful lot of that. People feel a quiet sort of pressure not to be involved. And some of that is simply because they don't want to tip the scale in any way against someone they might really care about. Another part of it is truly, for a lot of these folks, as you know, reaching the NHL was the epitome of a life's incredibly hard work and you know, fantastic dreaming come true. And it's awfully difficult psychologically to bring yourself to say, you didn't do right by me. At least in this respect, you didn't do right by me. So there's an awful lot of internal conflict. To answer your question in the short form, do I, am I concerned about intimidation? Yes. Am I aware of forms of intimidation? Uh, I can't say specifically because I'm bound to confidentiality, but yes. Uh, and is the internal pressure that people feel not to join the litigation real? Yes. And that has kept numbers of people from joining the case. Stephen, um, I, I couldn't help notice last night, I was watching the Calgary Flames playing the Winnipeg Jets, and I noticed uh, Dennis Weidman on the, in the ice. Don Henderson doesn't seem to have reappeared in this. Where's the protection for the referees in all this? Well, of course, some of the protection for the referees in this is in the rule book, because, as you know, abuse of an official is subject to tremendous penalties, as you saw with Weidman originally getting a 20-game suspension. But I don't think that in terms of the problems the NHL faces, that the referees are truly in a position of needing more protection than they already have. I'm a huge fan of the referees. I think they do a terrific job for the most part. We all disagree with calls from time to time. But it doesn't seem to me that that's something that at the moment is on the radar of requiring serious attention because the Henderson episode, I think, I may be wrong about this, but it seems conspicuous by its rarity. Uh, and I think you've heard my views on the Dennis Weidman incident before. <laughs> Uh, we're talking to Stephen. Stephen, uh, just one last question, uh, and then we've got to move on. And thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, oh, my pleasure. The uh, concussion litigation is ongoing, or as I prefer to call it, the brain injury litigation. Um, where, where's it? Uh, where, when, if this ever goes to trial, uh, what time frame are we talking about? Two, two short, two short answers. One, the class certification proceedings will progress now through the summer. When the judge rules on class certification is up to the judge's discretion. There is going to be already a lot of papers in front of the judge on our side of it. The NHL will do further discovery of our class certification arguments. Then they will put forth their opposition to class certification. We will do further discovery on their arguments. And then we will have a chance to do a rebuttal to what it is the NHL has said. However, the court in this case has said and I think I'm close to quoting here, I am going to try something in this case in the year 2017. Judge Nelson is very interested in moving the case as fast and as efficiently as she can with fairness to all parties. And she wants to, I believe, get some of the issues, some of the factual development on the case in the form of a proceeding in front of the court or in front of a jury 
sometime in 2017. So I expect a very busy year on this case with a lot of interesting developments. We've been talking to Stephen Gregel, of course, attorney uh, attorney for the NHL players in their uh, class action litigation against the um, against the NHL. Stephen uh, Naz and I have been vocal in uh, our support of the players over time. We're uh, we're not ambivalent on this issue. Uh, there's a lot of NHL players who are suffering, uh, you know, severe deterioration in, in their lives and in their and how they go about their daily business. And uh, we've always come down on the side of the players, and uh, we feel that there's a wrong that needs to be righted, and we'll certainly stay in touch with you. Uh, I very much appreciate it, and we really appreciate your support of the retirees. I've never thought it should be a particularly controversial proposition that we simply want the NHL to take care of its retirees in the way that the NHL retirees deserve to be cared for. It doesn't have to be adversarial. I would wish it would be cooperative. We're simply trying to solve a problem that I think screams out for resolution. Yeah, it certainly does. The NFL, uh, although you can quibble about the amount involved, uh, they uh, they uh, they uh, they uh, came and uh, they did the right thing in a certain sense and made a, made a deal with their players. It's time for the NHL to step up. So we'll certainly stay in touch, Stephen, and all the best. Thank you very much. I appreciate this very much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. That, of course, was uh, Stephen Gregel, who's fighting the good fight on behalf of the NHL players. Naz, uh, before we go to break, any uh, any quick thoughts on uh, how the NHL is... Well, uh, they, they need to start stop preventing injuries, too. You know, the touch icing. It happened again last night where uh, Marenson from the lease was shoved from behind by Krejci. And uh, automatic icing would have solved that issue. And there's guys getting hurt. Don Cherry's correct. There's guys getting hurt. I don't understand why they do it, why the league does that. Certainly, that's uh, that's a very good point you bring up, Naz. And um, you know, they they certainly do have to look at that. But uh, it's time for our break. And uh, right after the break, we're going to be talking to Adam Oates. Adam Oates, of course, one of the Hall of Famer and one of uh, one of the great hockey minds. Certainly, looking forward to talking to him. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three-topping party pizza with 24 slices for just $24. It's perfect for large groups on a budget, like staff meetings, sports teams, or special ops units. Go, 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 go! So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. 
This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour NHL Hall of Famer Adam Oates. Good morning, Adam. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. How are we doing? We're doing great. And thanks so much for uh, thanks so much for joining us, Adam. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we always uh, we consider you one of the brightest minds in hockey, and uh, it's certainly a privilege for us to pick your brain a little bit about your insights. Uh, Thank you very much. No, it's it's certainly our pleasure. And Adam, uh, our listeners, uh, you know, you you coach for a while, but I guess if if we were to describe what you do nowadays, and please correct me and g- give me a more appropriate title, uh, I guess the best way of describing is you're a skills consultant. Um, tell me first of all if I've accurately described uh, what you do, and if not, tell us tell us exactly how you're helping out NHL players today, and uh, tell us some of the players you're working with. Uh, you know what? I, I would say skills development is close. Um, definitely, uh, there's a lot of skills involved, and we work on that. I would say more playing our game correctly and, and playing our game with a with a way to keep improving and, and become better players. So, you know, for example, like when you watch a player's video, uh, take Sidney Crosby, probably the best player in the world right now. You know, he's and playing very well. Uh, if you watch a video every single night, there probably is still more opportunities for him to be successful. And there's probably things maybe defensively he could do better. It's like nobody's perfect is the point, right? And uh, every guy, depending on talent level, uh, makes mistakes. And then we break down what are the mistakes. Are the mistakes IQ? Because that's something that can be fixed. You know, we played the game a long time. Uh, you know, where the position is, and then we break down uh, the skill necessary. Like, like I think we talked last time, Mike, I feel the hardest play in our game is for a defenseman to go back for the puck with a guy on him because that puck is always bouncing, it's moving, it's going against the dasher, it's off the boards, it can bounce any millions of different ways, and no one play is the same. So... We work on that defenseman going back for that puck and improving his success rate. And that's footwork, uh, vision, uh, how you play the bounce, how does your stick allow you to play the bounce, what angle you take at the puck, 
looking over your shoulder, having the ability to look over your shoulder while moving and find the checkers coming at you because, you know, they are coming at a, at a speed. And really, you know, that's, that takes a lot of time for guys to learn all the different options and variables on that one particular play. And we kind of just do that. Like you, when you trace a guy's game, you see all the little things that happen. And, uh, you know, like, for example, a, a left defenseman. So every single shift of his life, he's going in the left corner. So that play we just talked about happens to him almost every single shift. So, so it definitely makes sense to get better at that one trait, if you will. You know what I mean? It's, uh, and we just try and work on that and keep growing it, grow the guy's game. There's been a great turnaround on the play of Sam Gagne. What has he done differently? And he's one of your guys, and uh, he uh, really promotes you. Uh, what's the difference you know in his play? Uh, quite honestly, you know, we worked on some skills this summer. Sam is a highly skilled guy. Um, he's a smaller guy in our league. Uh, and we, we, we talked a little position, um, you know, and just reinforced some of the skills over the summer. You know, their team is playing fantastic. He's got a great spot. I think his coach, uh, I think Torts put, has put him in a really good spot to be successful. Their power play is number one in the league, and he's a part of it. Um, and he's in the right spot, I feel, f- for him to be successful on that power play. Uh, so I think it's given him a little confidence. And then just, you know, all the little things within the team system, he's doing well. And he, you know what? Uh, it's a lot easier to work with guys when things are going well, right? And it, it's just, you know what? I think his skills are just fitting into that group nicely. Uh, Adam, when you uh, when you played and uh, when Wayne Gretzky played, Wayne Gretzky played and he would, during a game, you think he hasn't done anything, and he ends up with five point six points. And Adam Oates was you, you accumulated a lot of points, and you were a point producer. Is there a skill to that? Yes, no question. I think uh, uh, there's so many opportunities for guys to get points that they don't see anymore. And you know, you, you actually said a good phrase where you didn't notice him. You know, I, I guess I would put myself in that same category. Yeah, I put you. I didn't want to be critical, but no, you you go out and you get five points. You go, why did Adam Moats get five points? Yeah, I don't take that as criticism. I, okay. I, I, I no, I don't. I, I take that as a guy that played his position, and when a situ, you know, I wasn't a great skater, so it wasn't like I got breakaway speed or I didn't have the Alex Ovechkin slap shot. So um, those are things that people see right away, right? Like, wow, what a shot. So for the other guys, how are you going to produce? Now, Gret, Gretz is on his own level. So, But there's plays where you can make a three-foot pass, and it gets a goal. And nobody gives the guy that made the three-foot pass the credit. You, you know, the goal scorer kind of gets the credit, right? And But if there's a guy behind the net taking on 2D that passed a puck under, under a guy's stick, and it just happened to hit the guy's tape at the right spot, you beat the goalie, it's a goal. So that, that skill to me is just as important as the guy shooting, and we work on all of them. We're talking Adam Oates. Adam Oates, uh, Hall of Famer, of course, and uh, a skills development uh, 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 consultant, or uh, I guess that's the best, better way of putting it, uh, Adam. I'll, I'll get it right before we finish this interview, <laughs> anyways. Yeah, but uh, I'll, I'll keep it at this. You're, you're one of the brightest. I don't, know what to call it. I don't know what to call it either. You know what? Maybe we'll have a chat off the air. We'll come up with a trademark for you for some. I can, I can work on that for you. Uh, but uh, all kidding aside, uh, you are, you are one of the great hockey minds uh, in today's uh, in today's hockey world. 
some of your ideas are not necessarily revolutionary, but uh, not necessarily welcomed uh, by open arms by certain people in the NHL community. And I don't necessarily want to get into the specifics of um, perhaps some of the criticisms of you. And, uh, you know, sometimes when somebody comes in with new ideas or new new techniques or whatever, they're not necessarily welcomed with open arms. Um, uh, is that your sense, Adam? Do you get, do you get the cooperation uh, that you feel? Uh, I mean, you're contributing to the talent level of of the most prized assets of of 30 NHL teams that are worth hundreds if not billions of dollars and yet you're not welcomed with open arms why not um i would say that last year there was probably more pushback i think it's growing this year where it's more welcomed i've had actually a couple general managers call me and ask me to look at players um the the through social media you know the the one thing is uh, because uh, hockey is 24 hours a day now on TV, you can see everything, right? You can't hide anymore. Uh, so, so definitely the game is becoming more in that direction of other sports where, you know, in hockey we had a goalie coach. Well, why don't we have a face-off coach? Why don't we have a, a defenseman coach, right-wing coach? You know, like every other sport is starting to go that way. And I think we are too. A lot of teams now have skilled guys on their teams, skilled consultants. They work with the guys. Um, I think it started a few years ago. For example, Gary Roberts has a training where a lot of guys are doing that, where every single team has their own strength coach. But a lot of guys go to Gary in the summer. Uh, so that's been accepted. Uh, and, you know, same sort of thing. A guy can hurt his knee doing a squat in the summer when that's not necessarily that particular team's strength coach. So, you know, you obviously worry about guys working out wrong. Uh, so I, I think it's growing. Uh, I think part of it was just because I was a coach and coaches don't, you know, like were people worried that I was trying to sabotage, maybe trying to, you know, uh, steer players wrong to go in, into uh, try and maybe get a job. And that's why I came out last year with Elliot Friedman and said, no, I don't want to coach anymore. I really enjoy doing this. And so I just think it's going to, it's gone away, uh, the negativity. And I, I think it's going to be fine. I, uh, you know, really when you think about it, if I can improve a defenseman 2%, it makes him a better player within the coach's system. It actually helps the coach. And I think sooner or later, people are going to realize that. Uh, we're talking to Adam Oates. Adam, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the um, the young players in the game today. They seem to, correct me if I'm wrong, um, um, they seem to come, I mean, we've got, looking at some of the young players in Toronto, we've got Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and Nylander, and there's Connor McDavid at the age of 19. And uh, are young players more skilled today at the age of 18, 19 than they were, let's say, when you started out? Well, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like every year there's, two or three guys that are ahead. Um, obviously, you know, like, like what was Crosby? You know, he was. Uh, what was Ovechkin? He was. There's always some good players that kind of come out a little sooner than others. Uh, and I think it goes in waves. Are they talented? Oh, no question. Um, is there more young guys? Maybe. Maybe, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're playing more at a young age. So they're learning skills more at a younger age than we did. I don't know. That's a good, very good question. I want to ask you, I'm sure you've had an opportunity to watch, uh, you know, obviously we're in Toronto here. We like to talk about some of the 
some of the local excitement and, uh, you know, a, a player uh, uh, that's uh, certainly uh, exciting uh, Torontonians, Toronto Maple Leaf fans, is Mitch Marner. Um, uh, he does some things on the ice that sometimes I, 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 I've got to go back and look at the highlight of it. I can't believe that he actually sees the game at that level. Your impressions of Mitch Marner? And and then I'll and then obviously I'm I'm sure your uh, impressions will be pretty positive. How much of that well, is God given, okay. and how much of that is can be taught? Well, you know what? That's that. Uh, I, I'm sure he's got some athletic skills he, that uh, genetically he was given. But I would never minimize. That's like someone saying to me, "Oh, you you know, God made God made you a great passer." Well, I've always I've always been insulted with that because. Yeah, my parents were athletic, but that doesn't minimize the thousands of hours I put in as a kid to maybe hone those skills. You know, I, I think he's a great player. He, he's actually in some of my video I use to young kids and to other players because some of the skills he can do, when you watch him, he, you know what? He's, he's smooth. He's like Patrick Kane. He's smooth. Uh, he's, he doesn't win breakaways. Like, it's not breakaways. It's not his speed. It's not like he's winning... It's not like he's, it's in a foot race, but he has the ability to control the puck, forehand and backhand, move laterally both directions at a pace that that is at NH, high NHL level right now. And I, I say to everybody all the time, and look, he's not a big guy. He's not. So do you have to be 6'3"? No, you don't. Every single level you move up, you need your brain and your hands to be able to handle the talent level of the next level. That's all. Adam, you were, take a tremendous, go, go, ahead. go ahead. Adam, you were an accomplished lacrosse player. Did that help you in, in any in the game of hockey? Yeah, no question. No question. Uh, lacrosse, you know, we played, I played box lacrosse indoors, pretty violent game, and really taught me to, uh, how to use my body and protect and roll and just get – you know, when a guy goes to hit you, how to, like, take some of the contact, not all of it, and to spin on a guy uh, both directions. And I probably use some of that in my teaching. Now, uh, you said earlier that you're not interested in a head coaching job. I know there's one available in Vegas. Would that ever interest you? No, no. I, <laughs> I came out and said it. I, I enjoy doing what I'm doing. Um, my coaching days are over. Anyways, we've been... Uh... We've been talking to Adam Oates. Adam, uh, listen, we uh, we very much appreciate you sharing your uh, your hockey insights with us. It's always, I'm sure, our listeners uh, enjoyed uh, listening to how you break down the game. And it's always, uh, on a personal note, it's always uh, it's always a pleasure talking to an old Weston guy. And uh, uh, and I will tell you, my hair looks good this morning. That's an inside joke. All right, sounds good, bye. Take care, Adam. <laughs> That of course was Adam Oates. Uh, uh, really is one of uh, one of the, one of the great hockey minds. He, he works was, with these he, players. Wally, he was the type of guy. Like I said, you'd see him. You see him play. All of a sudden, he has a goal and four assists, and you go, well, "How did that happen?" Yeah, that reminds me of the very very first time I w- I watched Wayne Gretzky play. I had heard all the hype about in in live in person. I had heard all the hype about him. Um, but it, he was playing with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. 
And I remember it like it was yesterday. They were talking about him. And he had played in Toronto, I think, with the Junior B Nats uh, for a year. Because um, the, the Ontario, Ontario Minor Hockey Association or whatever wouldn't let him move to Toronto. Yeah. Uh, because the, you, couldn't, you couldn't move cities at the age of 15 or 14. I think he was 14 years old. And he was, uh, whatever he was at that age, a Bantam or whatever. So you, they wouldn't let kids move cities to play minor hockey. So the way he got around that is they just moved them and uh, they moved him to Toronto to play with the Junior B Nats, I believe, one year. And I think he, I think he uh, lived with Gus. Remember Gus Badali, Gus Badali, the yeah. agent. I, I think Badali was his agent in the beginning and brought him in Toronto. And, and and going back to the first time I ever saw Wayne Gretzky play, it was a Saturday afternoon at Maple Leaf Gardens. He was playing for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. And I think it was one of the few times I never. You remember they used to have those twenty-five cent programs we used to buy. Um, That's a long time. A long ago. time ago, uh, and I used to, I used to I actually saved a few of them. I still have some of them. Um, but uh, I, it was the first time I never bought a program, and you know I was watching the game, and and I think you were with me, Naz, and uh, I kept asking. So where's the Gretzky kid? Uh, he's number he's number nine. I, I think he was number nine on the Greyhounds. I'm not sure, but I think he was number nine. Um, uh, where's this Gretzky kid at number nine? I'd look out there, and he's like, he had a sweater that was 20 times too big for him, and he wasn't the greatest skater. He had that funny-looking helmet. I'm watching the game. Man, what's the big deal about Gretzky? He had, uh, I think he had two goals and four assists that game. Yeah, Didn't notice him one second on the ice the entire game. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, Adam is right. The three-foot pass, a lot of people don't know. That, I mean, that's a big play, yeah. the three-foot pass. But uh, since, uh, what, you know what, we've got, uh, we've got about five or six minutes left. If you want to give us a call, we'll take a couple of quick calls. We've got time for it. 416-360-0740. Toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Very quickly, once again, 416-360-0740. one 740-4740. Naz, I know you were watching the Leafs and the Bruins last night as well. You're yeah, flipping watched, back. Flipping back and forth. Flipping back between uh, TFC and, uh, and Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, your impressions of the Leafs last night. I'll tell you, one guy that's really turned his game around is Frederick Anderson, the goalie, because he's played terrific in net. So they do have a shot at the playoffs. So we were just talking about this earlier, Wally. So many teams have a shot at the playoffs. It's so tight, the NHL now. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if that's just, uh, if that's mediocrity spread across 30 teams or that's just the salary. It's probably a combination of a lot of things. You just, you know, you can't, in, in the salary cap era and in the universal draft area, uh, draft era, it's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's very difficult to create dynasties or superior teams. And you know, I, I think the um, I think the, the the tactics or strategy of a general manager nowadays is to create what they call a core, right? Uh, three, four, five. You, you got to have that that alpha dog at center. You got to have the alpha dog on defense. You got to have a goalie, and you know, surround them with uh, two or three other uh, talents, and then you got to build around that. But then you've got then you've got ten players on the team that aren't, you know, they're not stars. Yeah. So it, and it's it's I guess in in the modern day NHL, it's it's just impossible to dominate. You can't be a dominating team anymore. Just the talent gets spread out, and yeah. and that's that's what you end up with. And going back to the Leafs making the playoffs, 
What, uh, what are they out about? Four, four points. I mean, five points. Up. Yeah, they're five. They're they're a five or six game winning streak from being right back in the middle of it, and that five or six game winning streak might start tonight. Yeah, uh, started last I think night. they're playing Colorado. Uh, started last Colorado night. is a team. I don't understand that team. They have so much young talent there. They they look terrible. What's going on? I don't know with what that? happened to them. Patrick I, Waugh left, and the team is. Uh, I mean, they had nothing. that one great year. Was it two years ago? They had two 105 ago, yeah. points or whatever it was. And McKinnon, McKinnon is a force as a hockey player. I mean, Duchesne. I, Duchesne's. I mean, you're talking world-class hockey players. I, Landis Schog. Um, you know, McKinnon in that under-23 tournament. Uh, sorry, not in the under Playing for the under-23 in the World Cup. He was a force in that yeah, tournament. He awesome. uh, he's an awesome player. Duchesne's been, you know, he's playing for Team Canada. He's couple of uh, Olympic gold medals, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if he was on the 010 team. Yeah. He was in the 14, the World Cup, uh, some world championships. Um, I don't, I don't, I get, don't it. get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't know why they don't, they, they do any better. But going back to, um, you know, uh, least being, I mean, I, my, you know, we've got a, we've got a run of about five or six games at home and, you know, they've done reasonably well at home. Uh, their away record hasn't been the best. Uh, but certainly a big victory last night, and uh, you know it's it's all about goaltending, isn't it? It is get, all about it's all about goaltending. I mean, look at Minnesota. Dubnik has played awesome in that. You know what? You Leafs put Anderson in net. You know they got a reasonable shot of winning the game. They got to go to their backup, and they're in trouble. Yeah, they they have to improve their backup. So Ramos goes. Uh, Ramo goes into uh, the Marlies, the guy that's been practicing with the Leafs, and lets in five goals his first game as a Marley. <laughs> I'm not sure he's the answer. Well, uh, I'm not sure the answer is maybe maybe the answer is is uh, might be Bebo. I mean, maybe you got to give him a shot. I mean, uh, I don't think Garrett Sparks is the answer either. Uh, but you know, the NHL is so tight nowadays in terms of what it takes to make the playoffs. Is you can't afford to you can't afford to lose games or give games away just because you're starting your backup. Um. And Mont- I think the Canadian Montreal Canadiens, to a certain extent, they face the same problem when when Carey Price is not in net. Um, yeah, he got know, a little, he, he got a little a little <laughs> excited this week, didn't he? Yeah. So certainly, uh, um, Leafs better solve if they want to make the playoffs. They've got to solve their backup goalie dilemma, or they got to start. They got to play Anderson like nine out of every ten games, or uh, they got to start playing them on back to backs. But uh, if they're going to continue to get those types of performances from their backup goalie, they're in, they're in trouble. They're in trouble. You can't. The NHL is way too tight nowadays. You can afford to give away two two points before the game even starts. Yeah, this team's streaking like Philadelphia has gone on a five six game winning streak. They're right up there now in the standings. So it's good. It seems to go back and forth, back back and forth. Now the Pittsburghs and Chicago's have maintained themselves pretty good, but you know, there's a team that's really struggling. It's Tampa Bay Lightning. So who knows? Oh, anything can happen. Anything can happen. This week, Ness, we've got a minute left. This week, the Lou Marsh Award, Canada's top athlete of the year. Your vote goes to? Well, it has to come out of the Olympics, doesn't it? It doesn't have to come out of the Olympics. Sidney Crosby's had a pretty good year. Yeah, usually in the Olympic, usually the year of the Olympics, it comes through as Brooke Henderson's had a pretty good year. Brooke Henderson, yeah, you, that would be good. Eh? <laughs> Brooke Henderson could be it, yeah. Or uh, the swimmer, her name, Alexia. Alexia, Penny? I think she'll win it. Uh, I uh, I loved uh, Brooke Henderson's 
game at the beginning of the year, uh, that would probably be my vote. Uh, but I think Penny's going to win the Lou Marshall Award yeah, as Canada's so. top athlete for 2016. Anyways, another week of the Naz and Wally Sports Hours has come to its conclusion. Um, I want to thank all our listeners, obviously, for uh, for listening in. And, uh, Naz, uh, have yourself a fantastic week. You and too. And next week will be the last show before before Christmas. Before, uh, yep. And uh, we'll be back again next Sunday morning, same time. Have a great week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.